Yes, welcome to the summer edition heard across regional Queensland on the Resident Network. You can catch us on 4SB, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. And I welcome two of the best sporting minds in central Queensland into the studio with me. I speak of Nick Backstrom. Good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon, Walter. That's a generous assessment on my part. And the one, the only... Mr. Scott Parkinson. Oh, boys, I thought you were going to say the two best looking. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> welcome me next week's introduction. <laughs> uh, putting a new shirt on, so I thought I might have um, impressed you a little bit. And before we get into the sport, of course, what is the best thing to put in a salad, boys? You've, you've got your cucumber, you've got your tomato, uh, some nice cos lettuce, a few julienne carrots, and of course, the mung beans. Oh. And a big thanks to the Australian <laughs> Mung Bean Association who powered the summer edition pow every week here and uh sports heating up all we're thinking about is nrl scott little scott and big scott they're going together well two heads are focused on the same the same i don't enjoy sport to the same level (laughs) and i cannot wait i mean the nrl season is going to kick off in about 40 or so days there's a all-stars match which is back um so it's the maori all-stars versus the indigenous all-stars which started last year that was a pretty cool concept Fast, the nines are back. Fast. <laughs> well, let's just wait till the let's third put it, side let's put it all in the city country basket because yeah. it's a rort as well. They actually what? canned it last year, didn't they? Well, the funny thing about the nines is the Brisbane Broncos are apparently feeling a really strong side. So I think we're going for the nines. And then at the end of the year, we can say we got the premiership. We got the nines. I an interesting thing about the country city match. It used to mean something. Yeah. But nowadays, I mean, like, a bit like Sydney Rugby Union itself, uh, Rugby League itself, they suck in all the players earlier. And yeah. earlier, so the idea of you know, people from the country is just not worth it. Well, the city country game, the thing that annoyed me the most was three mm. years ago, Blake Austin had an absolute blinder. Mm. Four tries, he was kicking them from everywhere. Never even got considered for origin. No. Well, it used to be a genuine selection yeah, trial, didn't right. it? Yeah. Because, because the team was, they're in camp in January, I think. Yeah. They have their first camp. So, look, everyone, the pinnacle of the season is origin. And, boys, I think we're in for a really good series. Obviously, um, the, the the series Queensland hold the wood obviously, but it did go New South Wales three peat before Queensland's nine out of ten, wasn't it? And New South Wales now looking for another three, so it's evening back up. Well, I only realised just the other day it's the fortieth anniversary of Origin, which means you've grown up knowing nothing but Origin. No wonder you say you find it so painful being in New South Wales. <laughs> but what is interesting with Origin, and when you can tell when Queensland are kind of on the ropes because they've changed the preparation. So it just got announced today that Kevin Walters. So usually they get the emerging players into a camp. Mm. I worked well a couple of years ago when about fifteen of them <laughs> broke curfew. Yeah. Uh, they're doing it again, um, but this time they're actually getting some senior players into their squad. So I know the captain Daly Cherry Evans will be there. Josh McGuire will be there. Um, Valentine Holmes will also be into this camp. So it's all about. I guess, getting some of those senior guys to work with some of the younger players in that camp. Breaking curfew, boys, at these things. You know, I've been on quite a few boys' trips on my time, and <laughs> it's, it's what you do, isn't it? You're out, you have a little bit of a punt. I know they've got to be a little bit more disciplined, but boys will be boys. I could imagine if it's a team curfew within a season. I mean, you've got professional mm. standards, I guess, you need to keep. But an origin camp, I think this camp was just after Christmas, um, someone probably forgot where they were. <laughs> yeah. you know, no hearts were broken. I think it was okay. But um, but those players, were they were banned from Origin for a couple of years and they yeah, only just yeah. worked their way back in. Ben Hunt uh, was one of them. You, you reckon that was why he was banned? Um, yeah, he dropped the ball on um, yeah, <laughs> quite a ball and missed his curfew and then uh, had a rough season. So. <laughs> and, and not only... Uh, Future guest. Not only, <laughs> not, not, only rug, not only rugby league uh, hitting top gear. Um, 
first of all, Super Rugby, Nick. Yeah, it's Harding. Uh, look, Queensland Reds have had a good start with the trial matches. The trial matches, are, you know, they're something, but they're not everything. It opens up on Friday night with Queensland taking on uh, Canberra in Canberra. And Queensland got a couple of good debutantes, including a friend of the show, Harry Wilson, mm-hmm. who uh, has been a junior wallaby. This is his first senior game, and he's very promising. It's a very, very competitive back row. There's about seven or, I think, seven people competing for those three positions in yep. the back row, including Isaac Rodder, who's in the uh, reserves. He AKA is the double Dutch. He is coming back from injury. And, of course, uh, another friend of the show is the captain, Liam Wright, with the world's uh, most controversial haircut. I'll tell you what, if you want to make a side, <laughs> come on the Summer Edition, because once we talk to these people, yeah. they go on to amazing things. Well, our first guest, he's looking for his next job. <laughs> Former Brisbane Broncos coach, Anthony Griffin. And a great bloke, and can I tell you, one of the great rugby league minds, it's always good when we get hook on the on the show, and um, runs his eye over the NRL, and said some interesting things to say about who he thinks the favourite for this year's competition is. Will it be the Roosters? Will it be the Rabbitohs? you got to keep listening to find out. Nick, then we catch up with the godfather, Rob Luck. He's, he, was re- he was on edge the other day when we spoke to him. He was. Uh, and, and we have him in the studio. He's going to talk country racing. Yeah, oh, look, he is one of the doyens of uh, country racing. Certainly here in the Central West, and I think he's a very modest man, further afield as well. Uh, yeah. An owner, a, a great race caller, and uh, such an enthusiast. And uh, and I think also, he, he, yeah, he knows horses. He reads the form well. Nick, we also catch up with Man Mountain uh, up there in Townsville, <laughs> Benny Condon. Um, look, he, he's got his sights set on the NRL sometime this year, but he's under no illusion he's going to start in the Q Cup, and he gives a little insight into what's happening up there in Townsville. Yeah, it's interesting because you hear these blokes who are with the uh, you know a, a senior team, and you think, oh, they've made it, but it, it's all just another step on the ladder, and he's, uh, it was interesting to hear that, actually. I didn't know that myself, and just, yeah, his awareness of uh, what's ahead of him. And, uh, Parker, we finish off the hour with our great Outback profile for the week, Rod Fagata. Yeah, and what a great man, uh, person, inspiration that Rod is. Um, what I really liked is, you know, we think about these people like Dakar Rally champion, you know, had his best finish uh, this year for 13th, a long time. Yep. But we, we often think about the bike and just, you know, the, obviously the work goes into preparing the bike. But what I'm really fascinated about is, is Rod goes into the actual physical preparation that's needed. Mm. Oh, I couldn't do it. A big bum or a sturdy bum was his tip. Plenty of riding, he said, didn't he? <laughs> it's, well, a, another one. it's a summer edition heard across the Resonate Network. It's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. Get mungin'. Back with the summer edition. Thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us all across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. And Nick, the countdown is on to the start of the NRL season. Mate, you're as excited as a kid in a lolly shop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know that a lot of people are looking forward to the uh, NRL. It's a huge game. And uh, time to cross to uh, one of our Cowboys correspondents, the Man Mountain, <laughs> the boy from Roma, Benny Condon. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you, fellas? Not too bad. Yeah, we're going well, mate. Um, we've seen some um, footage uh, on Facebook uh, about uh, the weather up there in North Queensland. How is it at the moment? Have you had a fair bit of rain? Yeah, we've had a um, bucket full over the last um, week. It's... Um, a nice change though. I can't complain. Town's just looking green and a bit better than it usually does. So yeah, I'm not complaining. How does it impact on your training? Just a lot more in, indoor sort of stuff. No, it hasn't really impacted too much on training. We've sort of just been getting through um, what we usually do. But obviously, we, when we're just doing sort of um, opposed sort of sessions, we've got to shorten up the passes and stuff because it's obviously a bit more slippery yep. and whatnot. And uh, obviously we spoke to you before Christmas and uh, it was pretty hectic, uh, the pre-season. You had your two weeks off over Christmas and you're back into it now? 
Yeah, yeah, back into it. Um, I think this is our... We got back on the 6th or the 7th of Jan, so we're um, two or three weeks in, and I know it's been good so far. We're, it's a lot less sort of taxing on the body. We're just foot most focusing more on um, the footy side of it, which is more enjoyable to me anyway. And there's a big buzz around uh, Townsville, um, obviously the signing of Valentine Holmes, which has been well documented, but the stadium and uh, the stadium itself um, getting a lot of... Um, traction as well uh, how is it looking yeah um, i haven't been inside it but i've driven past it a few times um it's looking unreal and i've seen a photo on facebook too just of the inside and all that and it just i'm pretty keen to go in and check it out because i think we've got a day on i think next wednesday we're going in to have a sneak peek for the first time which i'm pretty keen to go and see how it is do you get to have a run on the field on the sneak peek day or just having a look oh. Oh, I think I'm not with things. I don't think they're too keen on us having a run on it just yet. Hey, save, so, uh, saving that for Elton. Yeah. <laughs> um, how's the squad taking shape? Um, where do you see yourself this year to start with? Um, probably this year I'll probably be starting off, hopefully, in Inter Super Cup. I'm not sure which team I'm allocated to, but hopefully if I can get some good footy under my belt, I could push for a spot later on in the year, but... Um, I just want to start off by playing good footy and just put my best foot forward. Which uh, uh, which interest side? Um, do you, have you had any word on on where it might be? No, I haven't um, had any word on it yet. I think they they want us more focused on sort of playing for the cows jersey, which obviously I want to do. But um, I just haven't played any interest Super Cup just yet. So I think probably that would be my next step before I go to there. So, but they haven't given any hints or words on it just as of yet where I'll be heading so it'll be a big surprise when I do find out yeah so with uh, do they are they already talking to you about what they're looking for from you specifically or is it still sort of just training at the moment towards uh, the games yeah um, it's just more sort of training specific yeah. stuff like obviously because we haven't played a game they can't mm. really critique you too much on how you're travelling because everything sort of in training is fairly controlled where different drills are working on sort of different aspects of defence and attack so mm. yeah no it's just it's more just sort of general based stuff at the moment is it daunting training besides some of these these big names that are up there in north queensland uh look at the start i was like just starstruck because i was still <laughs> a young fella but now like they're just it just it's just it's weird the fact that they're just sort of my mates now and <laughs> they're who i train with every day so i'm fairly used to it it's going to be um, a big open for the season uh, up there in North Queensland against uh, the old enemy, the local derby, the Brisbane Broncos, and uh, yeah. no doubt you'll be playing in front of. They'll be playing in front of a twenty-five thousand strong crowd. Well, the talk around training's been that um, it's going to be like the biggest game in North Queensland ever, even bigger mm. than I think it was two thousand five when the Cowboys played the Broncos and um, Dairy Farmers or um, One Three Hundred Smiles was um, just full for the full of beans and. So I'm pretty keen to get in there and just see the buzz. I'm, I'm hanging out for, uh, I think it's mid-April, mid, uh, April, uh, Melbourne Storm, in the middle week of the yep. holidays. I'm uh, waiting for those tickets to go on sale because I, I really feel this is a big season for the Cowboys. Um, probably a little bit disappointing last year, but a uh, bit of fresh blood and uh, players like yourself and uh, Dan Russell are all knocking on the door. It's, gonna, it's an exciting uh, prospects for 2020. Yeah, for sure, I think. I know obviously Melbourne have been for the past few years um, sort of the par team of the comp and um, I think Cowboys definitely are going to put their best foot forward to make it a good game 
Hey, uh, Benny, thanks for your time this afternoon, and uh, we'll try and catch up in a couple of weeks uh, before the no season problem. kicks off. Sounds good. Thanks, Cheers for that. It's the summer edition, heard across regional Queensland. Back with the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. You can catch us on 4VL, 4SB, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and Hot Country. Back for 2020 and one of our most inspirational guests in uh, 2019 had to be our next guest on the line. He sure is. And uh, he's still going from strength to strength and exploring strange new areas like reality TV. So rumour has it. (laughs) (laughs) Dave Tobain, good afternoon, mate. Guys, how you doing? Yeah, really good. And uh, thanks for your time again, mate. Uh, It's always good to catch up. Now, how's the book travelling? Mate, book's going great. We've got, uh, we just finished our third book, which is going to be titled Find the Code Within, which actually tackles the drought. And uh, when you when you pass it, when basically the story is about when I was younger, we, I lived in a town where it was where it was uh, drought ridden for ten years. We had one of the worst drought periods down then, and it was back when all the stuff on TV and things like that. I'd get quite worried as a kid. I'd go to school, I couldn't do my tests and things like that. Uh, to, you know, I had a bit of trouble with all that sort of stuff. And um, it, so it tells that story of overcoming your worries and understanding things better, and and not letting them uh, you know run your life. You could say. And, you know, disasters such as drought and, um, you know, the, the terrible bushfire event we've had recently, um, it's certainly good to turn that into a positive. 100%, man. It's, um, you know, these things, are, there's a lot of things out of our control, but what we can re- can control is how we respond to these events. And that's where you see, which has been great about the Australian spirit is, you know, when, when we've got a fellow Australian who's gone through a tough time, they've lost the house or something like that, I've got a lot of friends down on the south coast, and it's been beautiful to see you know other people open their homes up, you know, get around, and just basically you know do what they can with what they got to uh, look out for another person. And um, you know, this third book we actually support Wise, the Wildlife Foundation that looks after yep. injured injured wilds, uh, wildlife. So um, yeah, so it's good timing for the third book coming out in that sense because you know they definitely need all the help they can get. That's right. For sure. Now, mate, your journey from just you know getting into physical fitness taking you through to world championship in kettlebell uh, and then becoming an author and an inspirational speaker and so on uh now rumor has it they want you as the next bachelor you couldn't have seen that coming (laughs) it was a bit of a laugh mate it was um it's funny i actually did first date that tv show it was a bit of a setup and uh that first date show and me and my mate um, my mate got me onto it, and he pulled out last minute. Um, <laughs> so I, I had the interview before him, and I said, "Oh yeah, I'll, you know, oh, okay, I'll do it." Yeah, my mate said he'd do it, and he bloody pulled out. <laughs> and I, was, I was there, and it was a total stitch up, and they they actually edited it a lot to try and take take the piss out of the pal, you know. That's oh right, right, yeah. right. But uh, we the love thing the was, is, um, you know, the book, Power Man book was just just came out. 
And uh, everyone really rallied behind her, like, well, if she doesn't like the power, she ain't getting the power. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, uh, they uh, had a big joke out of it, but it did really good for the book. You know, everyone really rallied behind it, and we had a bit of a laugh. And, you know, with these things, you've got to be able to laugh for yourself as well, because those guys edit things pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do that here in the West. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're our natural out here. (laughs) But um, is there any truth to the rumor? Obviously, were you approached by The Bachelor? Yeah, 100%. So they, they called me up and put me through the process, and, you know, I kind of entertained it. Um, but, uh, you know, I was having to think about it. I was like, oh, you know, I'm right now I've got too many great things going on, and I don't really want to spend three months in a house or whatever you want to call it, whatever they do. I've got a few friends that have been on it, yep. and they talk about how fake it is. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, I just have a bit of a joke with everyone, gee everyone up, and put up the photo of the message. And uh, the next day, the Sydney paper's calling me, and, and then they put it up. There's 10 publications, three radio interviews, and all these websites and stuff like that. So it's a bit of a laugh, and you know, a few little sneaky damn messages from girls on Instagram, which you know was uh, was uh, was welcomed. Well, <laughs> no, mate, you need the bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> I've approached the producers a number of times. I never hear back, so you're doing better than me. <laughs> oh, you got? Oh, you got? You got, You had a repeat uh, 12 months apart. Uh, Neighbours. You're on Neighbours. <laughs> this guy was opposite me, he was Dale Lancer on Neighbours. Uh, he had oh, wow. two it cameos. Is it, it is true. true. But, uh, and Sea wow. Patrol. So he, he plays it down a little bit, this mate. <laughs> yeah, mate. Hey, that's cool. Now, <laughs> New Year, New Me. That's what everybody says. You know, they, they want to kick off uh, 2010 with a bang. They want to start exercising, eating healthy. The kids are off to school. What advice... As you know, you have got a fantastic rig. <laughs> what advice can you give to people looking to get into fitness and get healthy for 2020? Yeah, so the big one, guys, is um, be realistic with it and, and have some patience with yourself. A lot of people, when they start anything, they do it from what I call a place of debit where they say, I'm not enough, I'm too bloody fat, you know, I'm not strong enough or, you know, I'm not healthy enough. They do all this kind of stuff and it's a quite a negative space to start from. And it's just like your bank account. If you keep debiting from yourself, when you go to check, when you go to cash out, you've got no money in there. So a lot of people with it is understand, hey, you had your Christmas time. It was fun. You, you know, shared time and memories with your kids. All you've got to do is start making small changes because it's something, it's compliance is the biggest thing, guys. So if you, you can have the biggest aspirations, do it for one week and then fall off the wagon and go back to your default setting of eating bloody crappy foods and and talking shit to yourself, yeah. what you all you really got to do is go be realistic with it, give yourself some credit, you know, make some minor tweaks, get out there and do something because it's better than nothing. Don't compare your current self to who you were 20 years ago when you are playing footy or whatever it is. <laughs> is yeah. understand, for 20 years you've been on the sidelines, getting out, getting some fresh air, going for a walk, uh, doing stuff with your kids. It, like, learn to enjoy the process of being a beginner again. And yes, it's going to hurt, it might be sore, but just enjoy it, you know? Give yourself some time, some patience, and just be proud of yourself you're out there making a change uh, in that sense. Don't, don't try and be too too crazy with it, and each each day, work on just being better than you were yesterday. That's, that's as simple as it is. Now, Dave, before we go, we like to ask some of our guests on the Summer Edition the top three things they love to throw on a barbecue. Now, oh, yeah. what are your top three? So I'd have to say, I'd say but number one is potato scallops. Yeah. Yeah, potato chips, love that. Obviously, your your, your snag and then um, peri-peri chicken. Oh, you know, um, exotic, exotic. Yeah, there's this, uh, this spice of stuff that, um, 
that I get from the supermarket. I put that on chicken, man, and it goes down a treat. Beauty. Mate, you're a superstar. Thanks very much for your time this afternoon and I uh, hope to get catch up again in the near future. No worries, fellas. Really appreciate your time as well. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, mate. I love it. (laughs) Back with today's summer edition heard right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. You can catch us on 4SB, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, and of course, Hot Country. And the countdown is on not only till the start of the NRL season, but first of all, the uh, country racing season. And joining me in the studio, the godfather (laughs) of country racing, uh, Rob Luck. Good afternoon and welcome to the summer edition. Good afternoon, Watsy, although I, I think the Godfather title might only be known in the Central West. I don't know about country raising. <laughs> we're, here to, we're here to spread the we'll word. We'll spread the word. <laughs> now, Lucky, what have you been doing in your off-season? I'm depressed, Watsy, because <laughs> you're always January and February. The racing season ends, particularly in our Central West, Northern Western areas, due to the heat conditions. Mm. And really, you do start wondering what are you meant to do on a Saturday, <laughs> yeah. apart from go to work and do more work. So I can't <laughs> wait till the end of February comes around in our area. And uh, there's plenty to look forward to. And just on, on a snapshot, we've, we've really gone forward in the past uh, two years, say, with the Battle of the Bush and the Country Cups Challenge. We've had increased prize money. We've got exposure on the TAB. Life's good in, in Queensland country racing. Across the board, Queensland yeah. racing headed in the right direction from the top layer down, from that metropolitan level down to the country level, the provincial level. And, and what's the, what I do like to see is not only those two key series you mentioned, but the series that are built in during the year. There's mm-hmm. things like the... Uh, the reef to the rainforest, the burn it to the beach. There's the Magic Millions Far North Queensland Stayers Championships. Yep. And now there's going to be three new guineas races added in to the Townsville guineas, all for $50,000. Yep. And there's 105000 I think it is, for a northern dual cutest race for three-year-old fillies. It almost sounds as if you're pitching a sale to Nick next to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm in. <laughs> I keep picturing one of those cakes where the layers keep getting yeah, added yeah. to it and your, your cream of the cakes on the top. You all want that horse that can get Oh, to that you do. Level. Whether you're racing the country or not, you and, hope you get that one. And, good and we've had people in the country area and our listening area experience a Magic Millions win. Uh, you know, exactly. um, from, from, right. from buying a yearling all the way mm. through to, you know, winning its last race on Marlin Express Day. Man, I was, we talking on the ship. The dream is alive. And the thrill of winning a race, whether it be at Batuta, Longreach or Flemington, it's the same thrill. It's just the different dimension, I think, in yeah. terms <laughs> of the extent of it and in terms of the monetary reward. But that, that ability to go from the yearling right through is, mm. is a, or to even breed one yourself and take it right through, I think, is the ultimate. But the goal is always there. The carrot is there all the time, I think, at the moment. Mm. And the way also, that I think, racing Queensland, spending the time to make sure the country race clubs have the opportunity to get their facilities up to and in, in right up to scratch so yep. that they can progress uh, the racing. So those um, TAB Sky Channel covered races that are coming more and more into the country, 11 of them in this racing season, yes. that really will show country racing at its best. Other than the obvious, Lucky, what are a few of the things you're looking forward to this year? Well, the obvious is the Battle of the Bush. I mm. think everyone, <laughs> all the stables are looking forward to that, yes. surely, aren't they? Yep. Because they're planning their purchases of horses um, just looking forward to the opportunity of continuing to promote that country racing across some of the great meetings that we get. 
and across the state. We've got to remember that they're not only featured in the Central West and the North West, Watsy, these great meetings. Mm. You know, there's great cup meetings like the Bowen um, Cup meeting. There's great mm. meetings up in Ewan, these two-day meetings. Some of them are really tourist attractions. Yes. You know, the ability to get there and camp for the weekend might be Twin Hills. I've experienced that one myself. That's a ripper of a, a weekend. <laughs> they are all part of the uniqueness of country racing in Queensland. And I think we just continue to build and build so it can never de- be dismantled. And we've got Charters Towers. Um, we've also got Roma. But Emerald is an, an, another one that's um, back on the map with their Emerald 100. They're getting a, a, a TAB meeting this year as well. Yep. But they're also hosting the On The Bit Awards next uh, weekend. <laughs> on The Bit Awards really are the culmination of all that hard work everyone puts in. And it's a calendar year basis, isn't it? But yes. it's got such a broad spectrum of different awards right through from the volunteers to your horse of the year, the jockey of the year, the train of the year. And, of course, our own Hall of Fame. And uh, it's only the second year that it's been running. But it's really become more diverse this year. There's yep. a lot more nominations spread across the state and a lot more support with the Facebook uh, comments that are coming in, people talking about who they'd vote for. Yep. Remembering that's not how the voting procedure is happening. But it really <laughs> does give you a good understanding. I'm, like, I'm pretty fortunate myself in having done Bushbeat for 14 years now, I think we're into You get that whole view of the state. And you get to know some of the names, like I see in the... Uh, in the Hall of Fame participant, you get a guy like um, Clive Gordon. Now, not many people might know Clive Gordon in other areas in the state, but to know what that man has done in racing in that far north area is absolutely phenomenal. Yep. You know, the Jay Morrises in um, <clears throat> in the northwest area done so much in, in areas. And then the past names that, um, that do come up, like Ken Waller in the Hall of Fame participant or the jockey. It's great for the history of racing as well. To it bring is. these names out and give them recognition. Now, Nick, before you moved out west here mm. a couple of years ago, did you realise what an impact racing had on our small communities in the sense of it is the social hub, it brings yeah. these small communities together and the amount of stakeholders that are involved? No, it's an absolute revelation to me. And uh, also, not only just how big it is for the social, you know, as you say, the social structure of um, these towns and these regions, uh, the way it feeds into the bigger picture... Um, and also what, what strikes me is how, much, how many kilometres. You know, some people like to focus on the area they're in. Other people will travel hundreds, thousands of kilometres in a year to follow, support or do their work. It's quite extraordinary, the commitment. And that's a real uniqueness in Queensland, the number mm. of clubs and the fast, vast distances mm. you know, that were spread across. And you're talking about that impact. You just only have to look at Kilcoy and, uh, on Australia Day, the yep. great meeting they run there. But the ability of what they've done there to, to work with their community, with their council, to get uh, outstanding facilities that now become a community facility as well as a race yep. day. But they built in the equivalent of a stall gift with the Kilcoy <laughs> gift being run. They've got mini trotters. I they've must have missed the nominations for that one. That's <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a handicap one either, wasn't it? <laughs> and they've got pacing meetings that are standalone. You know, they, yep. they're just getting something unique. And I think every club... We aim for that. Mm. We've got our own versions of what we do, like the Handicap 100 metre sprint at Longreach. It's getting tweaked this year. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going back to backpacks. I doubt it. But I think that's the secret, isn't it? Involving the community and making something different about your meeting. Well, Lucky, I'm looking forward to the start of it. And for us, it kicks off uh, next weekend at Emerald. uh, It does. At the uh, beach theme (laughs) races down there, followed by the On The Bit Awards. And then the 29th of February at Blackall. With the nice bit of rain around, these tracks are going to be fantastic. Thanks, Lucky. Thanks, Watson and Nick. <laughs> it's the summer edition. Heard across the Resonate Network.
Back with the summer edition, and it's all thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us all across regional Queensland on 4SB, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, and of course, Hot Country Nick. Yes, now we do like to uh, check in with uh, some of the uh, sports stars from around the uh, Central West and further afield. And it's we've not got me, a, Nick. No, no, for, for a change, we're not talking about uh, Parker. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we've got a fellow who uh, certainly does his stuff on the world stage. Yeah, certainly, and uh, fresh back from this year's Dakar Rally, Rod Faggata, good afternoon. Okay, guys, how you going? Good, thanks, mate. Now, this year was uh, your best to date, finishing uh, 13th overall. Yeah, definitely, yeah. We've had uh, three, prior fin- uh, three prior finishes, so yeah, it's our third one, our best one yet. Um, the other ones have been top 20 as well, but um, pretty pretty rapid with this one due to the level of the competition. You know, it seems to be stepping up every year and there's more teams involved, so you know, this, be it 13th or even somewhere in the top 20, it would have been a higher achievement just because of um, you know the other guys you're up against, so I'm pretty rapid with it. And Rod, it's Parker here, mate. Do you put a 13th improved performance? Is there anything you can put your finger on as to why it was an improved performance from you guys? Um, I guess we, it moved us out of Arabia this year, so the terrain suited me a bit more. And um, it was, oh, I guess it suited everyone. It was, it was cooler as well. I don't mind the heat, obviously, coming from here. But <laughs> um, sort of, if you're used to the heat, then when you go to a cooler climate, because it was um, Northern Hemisphere, so it's a winner, um, you, you do it pretty easy, I guess. You, you don't sweat so much and um, find it a bit easier. But um, just a combination of things. Um, sort of, I, I got got my own version of the rally bike here in Australia six months ago, so I had more time to, to prepare it and get used to riding that particular bike because it's, it's so different to anything else I use for any other riding. Um, so I just had more time to be familiar with it. We, we had set up, uh, yeah, we, we set up suspension and stuff, and then we took that um, across to took that information and, and some of the components across to Saudi Arabia, where they had a, a new bike for us that we rented, and um, just yeah, just just being familiar and confident, probably a big thing, and and um, yeah, just change change the training a bit. So everything sort of fell into place and just went well for us. Now take us back to where it all began, Rod. Obviously, um, the Dakar Rally. Must have been on your bucket list for some time, and uh, how, how did you get into that type of riding? Yeah, so I guess we we started to the similar like navigational style cross country events here in Australia. So the Australian Safari used to be an old iconic event started in the eighties, and um, well, the first one I did a, did of those was a bit over ten years ago, two thousand and eight. And as soon as yeah, after we'd done that first one, I, I had the bug. Um, I did another seven or eight of those events and and won it twice and. The Dakar is sort of the pinnacle, um, a little bit hard to, to reach, especially if you haven't done it. You, you've got to qualify for it, which those um, those wins helped with that. And um, but yeah, it's 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 a big commitment, and um, you sort of need a support crew behind you. So I was lucky the first year we went, we we had support from a, from an Australian team, and you know they got us across there and just opened our eyes to it, I suppose. And once I saw it for the first time I was, I was hooked on that too unfortunately so because um, it's a pretty expensive event to go to but um, so 2012 was the first year we, we had a mechanical failure that year but um, went straight back to 2013 um, in similar circumstances as what I did this year I rented a bike and, and paid for assistance through through a mechanical team and yeah so 2013 was the first finish and yeah just sort of flowed on from there um, got the bug for it and 
been pretty keen to go back every year since. So we've done the last four years in a row through good circumstances and, and good support. And, um, you know, that, yeah, it's just it's been one of those things that's worked out for me. And uh, obviously, Rod, um, you'd be a tight-knit uh, group of competitors and it's, it's, it is an extremely gruelling event. And, and this year we saw a couple of uh, fatalities. Um Obviously, when you watch these types of things on telly, it doesn't really show you how grueling it is. Is it is it tough? Is it as tough as it looks? Yeah, probably the biggest things the, the just the hours on the bike. So, like any any one one hour by itself, is not too bad. Um, you know, the, the speeds are high and the terrain's pretty pretty nasty. But it's it's what you make of it. But um, yeah, mo- most days we're up. We're probably on the bike by five or five thirty and. And the faster guys, like if you're in the top 20, you, you're probably getting in by 3 o'clock or so. So yeah. it's a pretty solid 10 hours on mm. the bike. And um, and the slower guys are anywhere from 12 to 14 plus hours. So the fatigue's the biggest thing, and that's when you make the mistakes. And unfortunately, you know, the crashes can happen. Um, and it's just a bit of a bit of lower averages too, I suppose. You've got that many riders um, riding for that many days. Um, in, in a fairly extreme grueling event at, at high speed, so you know, crashes are going to happen. Um, so unfortunately, you know, you, you get some bad ones. Hey, Rod, you talked about bike preparation. You said suspension was a big part um, of the improved performance, but mate, you talked, you know, with fatigue and things like that. What sort of things physically do you have to do to get ready? Uh, well, in, in obviously the months, like pretty well since Dakar last year, I've, I've had this in the forefront of my mind and in the training. So you sort of have that. Uh, you know, like all year, everyone's different, but um, it's anything from gym work, CrossFit sort of stuff, cycling, running. Um, and as for me personally, sort of in the last few months leading up to it, uh, a lot more time on the bike just so you, your bike fit, you, you know, your hands and, you know, your, your ass and everything yeah. else is, is you know, <laughs> used to the big hours and the saddle, basically. So, um, so that's, that's a big thing. Um, and then at the event, like things you can't prepare for, um, that prior experience helps you with is, you know, A, it was cold, so we went went from here being, you know, 40, 45 in summer here to, um, you know, the mornings over there were sort of about five, three, three to five degrees when we set off on the bike at five o'clock and as the sun come up, um, it sort of spiked to about zero degrees. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you got you got to account for the cold weather um, and also the warmer weather and, um, yeah, it's just it's just different things that can really knock you around, and and, and a lack of sleep. Um, so you know, we might get in at three or four o'clock, but there's a lot of preparation and then other stuff that you're doing with bike and gear and and your your navigation equipment. And um, yeah, so you're pretty lucky to get yeah you know, three to five hours sleep a lot of the time. Um, um, so lack the lack of sleep is is one that really knocks you. Um, and you know, I had some people say to me, "Oh, you can practice for that by not sleeping." And so, like, well, I don't think so. I'd rather sleep as much as I can. Yeah. <laughs> worry about when I get there. Yeah. Now, are you able to prepare like finding similar terrain to practice on? Is there a benefit in that if you're able to do that? Ah, uh, there definitely is. There's there's no sand dunes in Australia that's come close to what's in South America or, or in Saudi Arabia and stuff like right. just on such a bigger scale like. But last year, I spent spent a few days. We went out to Birdsville and sort of around Big Red and mm. those dunes there. Um, they're nowhere near as big right. at all. Wow. Um, but, it, but it gives you that little bit of sand riding, yeah, a little, a little bit of exposure to it. Mm. Um, 
in, in other ways, yeah, around here is not too bad. Like, we've got some of our, you know, we've got plenty of rough country, especially the river flats and stuff when they're dry, and um, some of the scrub country, yeah, we've got Mulga and Gigi country out here. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a bit of everything. So while it's not exactly the same, it's it's definitely, you know, just, just as gruelling. Mm. Um, you know, and I've been pretty fortunate growing up out here, and Mum's still got the property further west, you know, it's, it's nothing for me to... to fill up the big tanks on a, on a bike and, and do a 300-plus kilometre, you know, run without stopping, you know. So um, so pretty lucky that way that we've got the environment and, and, and the terrain. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely, you know, especially sand and, and, the, and the big dunes, there's, there's nothing like it in Australia that even comes close. Rod uh, Fagner, thanks very much for your time uh, this afternoon and insight into the Dakar Rally of uh, 2020. Uh, 2021 on the calendar again? Oh, it's early days, so... Yeah, we'll have to see what pans out and uh, see how we go with family and budget and all the rest of it. You know, it's um, it's a big thing to line it all up. So um, you know, if the right thing come along, um, you know, we definitely consider it for sure. It's the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland. Into the second hour of the summer edition, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association, and you can catch us all across. Regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. We'll get to Parco's probe first, uh, Parco's <laughs> probe shortly. But uh, this uh, hour's interviews, we start off with Pow, Dave Tobain. Yeah, I quite like Dave. Uh, <laughs> we've never met. We just only chatted on the radio twice. But um, yeah, he's a really inspirational bloke. He's uh, incredibly positive, and I love some of the stories he tells of people who've done the dirt on him. And he just—he doesn't get angry. He no. doesn't get, you know, bitter. He just turns that, again, into another positive. Into a positive. Yeah, he, yeah. And I think he'd be a great inspiration. I think so, too. And yeah. um, I just love the pow! The pow, the pow, the pow! <laughs> uh, Andre Moore and a special tribute to Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I think probably one of the... Well, you know, sometimes you hear about these celebrities passing away, and there's been a lot of them, obviously, mm. but Kobe Bryant's one that really hit me. I think mm. um, the fact that, you know, growing up as a basketball player and... I think I was in grade six when Kobe debuted, 96. Mm. And, you know, I got to watch his whole career. So 20 years of the guy. So I'm actually tearing up a little bit now. So, you know, getting um, the reflection of, of Andre Moore, someone who made it professionally, and just on his thoughts of Kobe. And then we go to the stands for one of the greats. <laughs> Desi Dighton, Nick. Dangerous Des Dighton. Now, look, we've known uh, – I've actually known Des a long, long, long time. Uh, we went to the same primary school several years apart, I must, but I knew, you know – Used uh, to steal his lunch. No, no, no. <laughs> I think he might have moved on before I got there. But anyway, our families overlap. And he's been a teacher out in the Central West and uh, further afield as well down the coast. So he's been all over this great uh, state of ours. Loves his sport and uh, isn't afraid to uh, let us share his opinion. And Scott, one of the things with Des that I do pose to him, is that, and it, it, it is um, in relation to your day job as well, kids in sport. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a massive issue. I mean, you know, I've just taken on the role of PE teacher and still getting my head around that, but just getting sport into schools. And, and it really just does depend sometimes on the individual school and, and their kind of motivation towards sport. And it was just, yeah, it was interesting to hear Des's thoughts. Um, I didn't want to comment too much because I am interested in keeping my job, but <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely am. Um, I, could, I could see what he was saying and, and, you know, there's no more passionate guy about kids' sport than Des Dynam. Roll up the sleeves and pull out the gloves. It's time for Parco's Pro. We're all sitting very comfortably. <laughs> I hope we're not by the end of this. Now, the big news in, I guess, Australian sport, the Australian Open's been on and one of the stadiums where they play is Margaret Court Arena. Now, Margaret Court was a, a fantastic 
tennis player. Yeah, yeah. I believe she's Australia's most successful female yeah, tennis right. player. Yeah. So well, the world's no one. She still holds the record by herself for the most major. Yes, titles. she does. Sorry, yeah. and Serena Williams is two behind yeah. her. Now. Despite being a great tennis player, she does have an opinion. She does like to express her views, and, and often her views are not, I guess, how would you say it? They're not in, in view with mainstream yeah. uh, media. She's kind of can say some some confronting, some insulting comments around the areas of gay marriage and, and, and those sort of things. So John McEnroe and, and Martina Navratilova, one of the greatest names to say, actually came out <laughs> this week and were very in protest of the Australian Open celebrating her 40th year. 50th. 50th yeah. year, I'm sorry. Now, they protested and, and you know said that we should name the stadium something else. Now, Even on Goolagon Arena. Yeah. But what, what's your thoughts? Like, I mean, can we separate sport from opi- from people's opinions, well, it's, a, it's a no-brainer. You're rewarding somebody for on their on their. We've we've talked about this mm. several times on local radio this week. You're you're rewarding somebody for their sporting prowess in that domain. And I can understand mm. if she's broken laws. Like if she'd yeah. been to jail, if she'd you know done things that were illegal, I could see an we're argument. Not, but not, she's no, only expressing views. We're not yeah. advertising Margaret Court marriage celebrant. No, that's no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, exactly. yeah, as you say, we've named a tennis court yeah. after one of the greatest tennis players of all time. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. yeah. So what I thought about is... Now, we're, we're pretty influential, particularly in, the, in this studio. <laughs> the three of us are here right now. If we could name, let's forget stadiums. Stadiums are way too big. And we get in trouble if these athletes stuff up, let's be honest. Mm. So we're not going to see the Jared Hayne Oval, the Jared Hayne, you know, we're not going to see that. What <laughs> we, would you name after a sporting person? I'm going to jump in first and call it the Wally Lewis Treatment Works. <laughs> <laughs> And? I just didn't like him. <laughs> you know where I thought you were going? I thought because of how much Wally Lewis, how much pain Wally Lewis has caused you, that they should fund treatment centers for people like yourself who have gone through things that's, like that. That's how sewage treatment that's works. Where, okay, let's specify sewage treatment. What about yourself, Nick? Oh, I think, you know, the uh, David Campisi rearview mirror because... Uh, he does make everything look a lot better when he looks back at it. You know, he was a great player, <laughs> but by gee, when he stuffed up, he stuffed up royally, as those sort of players do. And I remember his most famous stuff up was against the British Lions, and he suddenly threw a pass behind the line to uh, old mate Greg Martin, who dropped it, who wasn't expecting it at all, because he'd kick, kick it to the proverbial, yeah. as Bob, uh, what's his name, once remarked. And um, a little while after that, he said... Oh, that, yeah, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have made that. I shouldn't have done that. It was a bad choice. And then later on, his autobiography, no, that was the best choice of the time. So uh, <laughs> as it got further behind him, it looked better. And yeah. I think we can all do with a mirror that does that. Tells Easy the camp easy. Now, mine is there's a bloke who played Australian cricket. And he played Steve one Moore. day. No. His name was Mick Lewis. And I remember watching a game between mm. Australia and South Africa. And Australia could not lose. I think they'd made a record 340 <laughs> runs or 50 overs. And... South Africa needed about 24 off the last over. Mick Lewis comes on the bowl, hit for six every single ball, and just had this smug, arrogant look on his face. I think he played a couple more games for Australia. He was playing in the Big Bash. That was about three years ago. So I believe that all of the rubbish bins around the MCG should be called the Mick Lewis rubbish bins because that's what he bowled that night. Absolute rubbish. And, and, and he can go in partnership with Bryce McGain. <laughs> he, 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 he'd served up a lot of rubbish Well he could have the pie shop Because they're bowling bowl, rubbish and pies It's the summer edition Heard across the Resonate Network 
It's the summer edition heard right across regional Queensland. Uh, you can catch us on 4VL4ZR4HI4LM4GC, 4LG4SB and Hot Country. Scott, unfortunately the summer edition's uh, coming to a close. I think we've got about four episodes to go, but it's for good reason. It is for good reason because the NRL is back, Watsy. It's back soon, about 40 sleeps, I think, to the NRL season. And we've got a great legendary NRL figure on the phone. We've got Anthony Hook Griffin. How you going, Hook? Yeah, good boys. How are you? Going good. well. Good, mate. Thanks uh, for joining us. There's plenty uh, making news at the moment in the NRL, a few player changes. And uh, anything uh, jumping off the page at you? No, just uh, obviously the, um, the Trail Mitchell stuff took up most of uh, the ink uh, before Christmas and after. Um, and the fallout from that now is young Adam Dewey's uh, uh, down here is now officially... Um, uh, asked for a release, uh, which I, I think, you know, South wanted him to anyway. So there's a little bit of movement there. And normally, post-Christmas these days, uh, it's turned into a bit of a trade period. So I think you'll see a couple more um, before the end of the year as well. Any, uh, any, uh, any Before the start of the season, I mean. So. Any likely candidates you can think of? Well, South will be trying hard to get Arrow. Um, and I think they really need him. They've... They built a brilliant backline, obviously, and they've got a great spine with Cook, Reynolds, Walker. Uh, if Mitchell's going to play fullback and can make a fist of it, you know that's as good a spine as there is. And you throw in Roberts and Gago on the outside of that, where, where they really need someone is in the middle. They've lost Sutton and um, two Burgess brothers, so obviously they'd be desperate to get Arrow. Um, you know, and I think they probably need one more. Um, to be a real force, if they could get Arrow and one more experienced forward, I think they're, um, you know, they're a real threat this year with the list they're building. Hey, Hook, it's Parker here, mate. Um, just when you talk about Latrell Mitchell leaving the Roosters, I think everyone probably has pegged the Roosters an early premiership favourite. I know they have a big injury um, to one of their centres, um, which is yeah, going to yeah, which I think is going to be a, is a massive, um, a massive letdown for them. Are they still going in favourites? Do you think South has stolen that tag? Yeah, and Canberra are there too. Obviously, they haven't had um, uh, they haven't had a, I suppose, a lot of uh, press about them. But that, you know, the way they finished last year, I really like the hunger that they've they've shown over the off season too. Whenever they've uh, been in the media, it's all about you know wanting to go one further. Um, mate, I, I was on the Roosters uh, until Mitchell left. Um, and, and uh, obviously, he, he didn't have a great season last year, but those types of players, they, they just win you three or four games a year um, through their brilliance. And the pass he threw in the grand final last year to put Tupo away, mm. I don't think anyone else could have thrown that pass. I think on top of losing Cronk, Cronk was a massive loss for him. Um, you know, he's obviously in the first and Lockyer, Andrew Johnsville as that uh, premiership-winning playmaker. They've signed young Flanagan, but hasn't played much first grade. But now that they've lost Mitchell, I'm just not sure whether they can go back-to-back. It's two, You know, they've lost two you know, real marquee players there. Admittedly, you know, they've got some great replacements going in there, but um, I, I'm, I'm not sure they can do three in a row. Let's turn our attention to the Queensland sides. Obviously, most people have got the Titans out of calculations, and for good reason. They got it down to the two. We look up to uh, North Queensland. They've got the new stadium. They've got the marquee signing of Valentine Holmes. And the yep. Brisbane side with that great young forward pack, um, Seabolt's men, he signed Brody Croft. Uh, which way are you leaning out of those two to finish higher? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, 
at this stage, I'd probably lead to North Queensland. And again, just because of the playmakers they've got there in, in key positions, you know, Michael Morgan, uh, I understand it's going to play uh, halfback and be their main playmaker, which makes a lot of sense. He's uh, obviously their best player and one of Queensland's best players. Valentine Holmes at the back, I think, will hit the ground running, even though he hasn't played for a year. And you guys like, uh, you know, Jake Granville, Scott Drinkwater, uh, you know, they want to. Pre- there's been a lot of bad press or criticism about Jake, but they won a premiership within three years ago, yeah. and um, he has struggled a little bit with injury. But um, and young Drinkwater and Clifford are going to fight out to be uh, Morgan's partner. So uh, you, you put that with Maguire, Tamalolo, McLean. You know, they've got some real strike international forwards there. I think they're shaping up a little bit better. Brisbane are enormously talented. You know, we know that. They've, the actual raw talent they've got in that side, but Fafida, Haas, uh, Pangai Jr., Katoni Staggs, those type of guys, they, they can beat someone just with the talent they've got in their team. But when it gets down to the crunch and you've got to win those those games where you need a steady head there, I think Michael Morgan might be the difference between those two sides. Hey, Hook, one of the big questions that was answered um, only recently was the captaincy question at the Broncos. Alex Glenn, obviously a one-club man, yep. a man you know very well, um, yep. captain of your under-20 side. Is that the right move for the Broncos, you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think they've finally got it right there. Um, Alex Glenn's been a great, even though he's never had the C beside his name for a lot of times, he's been a great leader of that club and a real integral part of that playing group. And I, I couldn't believe the reports early in the year when they were shopping him around. Yes. And I don't know how they swung 180 in that decision <laughs> and gone from <laughs> wanting to sell him to making him captain. But <laughs> however they've done that, it's the right decision for that club. He, he's he's the type of guy you want beside you when you go into a battle. And we should. Um, yeah, players play for him. And, and I think um, they're coming off the season they last year and the way they finished... Um, that's the best decision they've made in, in a long time is making Alex Glenn their captain. And touching on the Titans, look, they only won the four games last year. It's hard to see where massive improvements are going to come with that team. Hook, um, can you see them getting off the bottom of the table? Yeah, I can. Um, but, you know, not far off the bottom. I think, you know, if, if they had two or three wins last year and they're going to have to be patient there, the owners, you know, they've got a new coach and... Um, you know, a success for them this year for me is if, if if they could double that and get six or seven wins, they're they're obviously heading in the right direction. Um, uh, you know, they've got to get their million dollar halfback moving. Who, you know, obviously had his issues last year on and off the field and couldn't play. So he he's got to hit the ground running for a mass Taylor, obviously. Um, but I, I just I'm the same as you. I'm, I'm not sure how much improvements there. You know, any real incremental improvement that's going to push him towards the eight. But with the new coach, if he, if he can mould them and get them a little bit um, uh, more uh, united and, and hard-nosed about the battle at hand, they've still got enough uh, talent throughout that side. You know, if they lose Arrow, that'll be another, uh, you know, thorn on their side. But if, if, he can, if he can get a group together and get them playing for each other, they've still got enough talent to... You know, to win six, seven, maybe eight, eight games would be like making the playoffs for them. Anything mm. above that, and he's a genius. So, Hook, we're going to finish with some hot fire, quick shot questions. The first yeah. one is: Who will win the premiership in twenty twenty? 
Oh, gee. <laughs> Don't worry, mate. Whatever you say, no one listens, so it's going to be okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> the first thing I'll say is I don't see any change to the top four. Okay. Um, I, I think it's becoming a little bit... Maybe Parramatta might sneak in there. I think it's become a little bit like the English Premier League at the yeah. moment. Um, mate, if... if um, yeah, well, okay. If, if South can get Arrow on another four, well, okay. I, I think they'll get Arrow. I'll go South. <laughs> <laughs> you change them on about four times in five minutes. Lo- that's what I love about rugby well, league. It's so, it's so tight. You know, yeah. last yeah. year you could just go. Well, I, all year last year I just said Roosters. Yes. You know, no one can beat them. Roosters, Roosters. But they've come back to the field. South have lost a couple of forwards. Um, you know, went within a whisker of beating Canberra. To, you know, get into the final. So, I'll, I'll. I'll just for the quality of spine they've got and the quality of play they've got, I'll go south. All right, so you've pleased all of our south listeners, so let's upset some. Who's going to finish yeah. at the bottom of the ladder with the wooden spoon? Oh. <laughs> well, I think, you know, probably, just you know, the Titans. Yeah. Um, they're, they're probably the obvious ones. And they're, they're not trying to be negative about no. the club. Um, it's just, uh, you know, they were so far behind last year. And without a great change to their roster, um, you know, it's probably even gone backwards a little bit. Um, when Mick Gordon's retired and, um, you know, if they lose Arrow, there's a couple of real quality players out of there. Um, I just think they might be staring down the barrel of it again. I hope not, as a Queenslander. I, I, I really hope not. But them and, you know, um, there's probably a group of... You know, Warriors, Tigers, those type of teams that are, uh, you know, that are, um, you know, capable of having a poor season. And we'll finish with an easy one, Hook. Who's going to win yeah. the 2020 no, State of Origin? <laughs> Who's going to win the 2020 State of Origin? Well, I think Queensland can. Perfect. Dobbo had him uh, winning 3-0. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they weren't that, weren't that far off last year, guys. You know, they, um, they botched up that game in Perth um, and... You know, they, that New South Wales had to score in the last player that decided to beat them. And, and the massive out for New South Wales this year, and they, they brought him back and he, he, he got him home in Perth is Maloney. You know, they're back to, yeah. you know, Cleary and Kerry or Cleary and uh, Walker now, um, inexperienced halves. And Maloney was the guy that got him home last year. Um, you know, they had an air swing the first game going to Suncorp without him. I couldn't believe they did, but. You know, once they had him, him up their sleeve and brought him in for the last two games, it was that experience. And, you know, like I say, with Cronk with the Roosters, you know, putting Maloney, who knows how to win State of Origins, into that team just gave them an edge over the top of us. They don't have that this year, so um, it's even right up, and I think we can beat them this year. Anthony Griffin, always good to uh, catch up, and uh, all the best for the 2020 NRL season, and uh, all the best with your tips. We've got them recorded. <laughs> Okay. Say hello to all the people in Queensland. It's the the summer edition heard right across the Resonate Network. Back with the summer edition, thanks to the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. Scott, an extremely sad story transpired earlier this week um, with a great American athlete. in a fatal uh, helicopter crash, we speak of uh, the one and only Kobe Bryant. Yeah, mate, it was a really, um, it was a massive shock. I mean, the, the death of someone so young. I mean, Kobe Bryant was only forty-one years of age. He'd only been yeah. retired for you know a number of years, and um, 
I think he had a lot of life to live. And I don't think it's just so much that we lost Kobe Bryant, but just the circumstances in which things these things happen. Helicopter crash, his, his young daughter, um, age yeah. 13, was, was next to him. Um, you know, other families affected. And um, we've got someone on the phone who, you know, we talk about having friends of the show. Well, this bloke, he's a dead set champion. He's a great friend of the show. <laughs> he is uh, Summer Edition royalty. Andre Moore, how are you, Andre? I'm great, guys. Uh, great, great to hear from you. So, Andre, I guess, um, sorry, the first uh, first thing I want to ask you is when, how did you find out about the news about Kobe Bryant? Yeah, I was um, just, I was waking up, I was walking, I woken up by a phone call from my brother overseas. He lives in L.A. He's been living in L.A. for a few years. He's a hairdresser, um, but, but, he, uh, he, but he likes women, don't you know? But I, <laughs> 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 I hate to you guys. No, no, he, uh, yeah, my brother Christopher lived in, in L.A. He's a great guy. He, um, but he, he, he woke me up and said, did you hear about Kobe? I'm like, what? what, what? I, I'm still kind of, you know, coming to grips with, you know, waking up from a, from a nap. I was taking a beauty nap, as a matter of fact. <laughs> it didn't work really well. And um, all of a sudden, um, they hit me like a ton of bricks with the news about um, about the tragedy. And I, um, yeah, I was quite distraught about it. You know, I, was, I couldn't believe it. You know, I thought it was a hoax. Like a lot of people, I thought it was a hoax at first. You know, I thought, um, you know, in this day and age, you get a lot of um, fake news. Yeah, fake news and. You know all that stuff. So I thought. Yeah, I'm hoping. I was hoping. You know, like heck, there was like like a lot of people that it was um was not true. And then, lo and behold, you know. But it was just you know the the tragedy of um like you said said uh, losing not only the his, you know great Kobe but his his daughter. And I really feel for. Them. I'm really you know I'm really into you know kids. Uh, you know the future. They didn't. They never got a chance to you know to realize the future. You know, and that, you know the young people. You know. It was just really a tragedy, yeah. It's going to be one of those things, boys, like September 11. You can remember where you were at the time and, exactly. and lots of those exactly. types of things. Yeah. Andre, take us back to the start of Kobe's career. He, he kicked off for the Lakers in, in 96 and uh, played for yeah. for over 20 years. Um, he had great averages, shot at 25 points a game and oh, very consistent. He was he was an all-star, 18-time all-star, career. one of the best. Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he's also the first guy to ever have two... Singlets, um, you know, raised to the rafters by by his, uh, his club, which was amazing. So he had he had two sort of two chapters to his career, you know, with Kobe number eight and then Kobe at number twenty four, you know. But um, you know, Vladi Divac would, would would probably be um, quite you know like everybody really distraught because he he was very closely um, connected to to uh, Kobe because he was the guy who was traded from Charlotte to L.A. I mean, from, from L.A. to Charlotte, sorry, for Kobe, a young seventeen year old. Prodigy, who was coming out of high school, Lower Marion um, High School in Pennsylvania. So um, um, the great Jerry West was the one who um, who saw saw the potential in this young skinny kid. Because prior, prior to him, prior to him coming straight out of high school, had, had never been any um, guards that, that, that made that, that leap in such a um, you know such a magnificent way. So he was the first guard, you know, uh, guy that plays the guard position to. To excel, you know, straight out of high school. So, um, yeah, kudos to um, the great Jerry West. The logo we call him the logo because he, you know, his, his his silhouette is what you know what what the NBA's logo is all about. It's made from him. He was the one who um, first you know saw saw the potential in, in this young man. How you know it was all about how hard work. He had the natural talent, natural ability, but what set him apart eventually from um, from his peers was his um, his work ethic. And I think I, think uh, I saw. So, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, Andre, I was going to say, that work ethic is, is probably
probably what Kobe's most known for. And I think from early on, I mean, he always wanted to be great. He wanted to be the best. I mean, yeah. there's stories about even as a as an 18 year old rookie, um, when other rookies were going to clubs, Kobe Bryant was going to the gym and working yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, when we I'll look at him, we look at the, the greatest players of all time, and obviously Kobe's there. Where do, where do you oh, think yeah, he ranks? I know, I know your favorite is is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Is he top yeah, ten? Kareem. Is he is he top five? Where does he sit for you? I'm 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 going to say top um, top seven. You know, top seven for sure. You know, um, he was very famous for for emulating everything the great Michael Jordan did. But, you know, nobody ever blamed him for that. You know, <laughs> if you're going to emulate anybody, that's the guy you want to do it. And in a lot of ways, people, a lot of people recognize I'm one of them. His, his um, style of play and the way he, he was, when he was emulating Jordan, he actually did some things even better than Jordan, yeah. which I dare, you know, I hate, I hate to, I know there's, you know, uh, diehard Jordan fans out there going to be listening to this, but <laughs> yeah, they, he, he just looked, he, he looked more, looked a lot smoother. He was, he was a perfect build for a basketball player, you know, with his um, his long, slender sort of frame and all that, and he's very, very flexible and just, just, a, just beautiful player to watch, you know, and, he, you know, and he's he, he quite proficient in what he did as well, you know. Yeah, he certainly he seems to be one of those players who, well, he's not bigger than the game, but famous beyond the game. Like people who never heard of, don't really follow basketball, knew the name Nick Kyrgios yeah. turned up in the Australian Open wearing the jersey in tribute. He had a droid named after him one of the Star Wars TV shows, LA24, in the colours. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that came out, <laughs> that came out after okay. someone said they put that in deliberately as a tribute, Yeah, just because they loved him. Beautiful, yeah. yeah. The, guy, the guy transcended basketball, yeah, yeah. like you just said. He was able to you know, uh, win an Oscar for his, um, That's right. his short animated story, which is a really great story. If people haven't had a chance to look at that, I would, I would recommend... They, they have a look at that that short story animation called Dear Basketball, I think it was. It actually, actually, when I when I watched it, it kind of brought me to tears. You know, this is prior to him, you know, his, his demise. Mm. Just, just the, um, you know, because I could really relate to the love of basketball, which he was conveying through that 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 short story. You know, and that the uh, obviously the um, Oscar um, um, committee um, felt the same way too. Mm-hmm. Even though half of those guys probably didn't never lifted a basketball up in their, <laughs> in their <laughs> lifetime, but they, 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 they could still feel the, uh, the love and the, the work that went into that, that, that short story. So, yeah. Andre, thanks very much for your time this afternoon and a small tribute to Kobe Bryant. It's certainly been a, a very sad week, not only in basketball, yeah. but in sport in general. And uh, hopefully next time we catch up, we'll be on happier terms. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'd like, <laughs> like to, before I go, just um, send out a special condolences to his wife, um, you know, um, um, Vanessa. Vanessa and their, their remaining three daughters and, you know, his family and all that. Um, and, you know, just my heartfelt, you know, um, condolences go out to, to that family and all the families that, you know, they, they lost their lives on that, on that day. You know, the pilot and everybody, you know. I think I might have to get it's some um, details to that hairdresser in L.A. before we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Chris is, yeah, he's really good. My brother Chris is that, It's the Summer yeah. Edition heard across the Resonate Network. Back with the Summer Edition, and it's all thanks to the good folk at the Australian Mung Bean Association. You can catch us all across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. Yes, and it's time to hear from the stands where we like to check in with uh, someone who may not have been a top-line sportsman or official, but someone who just loves their I'm sure sport. he's taken that to heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he does love his sport. He has a few opinions on him too. Uh, 
listeners on 4LG will know, Des, and a lot of uh, students who went to school around uh, Queensland will know our next guest. It is Des Dighton. G'day, Des. Hey, yeah, g'day, Nick. G'day, everyone. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, um, Des, and obviously a school teacher into a school principal. Um, school sport, it's something that we were just talking about off air, how it's, it's really changed over time, and, and you definitely would have seen that. Oh, absolutely, and I don't think a lot of the changes have been for the better, to be honest. You know, when I started teaching back in 1979, Thursday or Friday afternoon was religiously school sport. Nothing got in the road of it. And your kids were encouraged to take part. Um, we had I was teaching in Dolby in my first year, and we had competitions with the other schools in town. It was just something that, that happened. Yet, in recent times, I actually moved to a school here on the Sunshine Coast where they hadn't participated in inter-school sport for five years. Wow. Which really shocked me. The mm. reason being... Um, NAPLAN data doesn't show, school sport doesn't show up on NAPLAN data and the school I was at, the principal was obsessed with NAPLAN data and unfortunately things like school sport and to, to be honest the arts and music as well in this particular school were pushed to one side yet all the data will show you that kids who participate in sport, their literacy and numeracy results benefit, their whole schooling benefits but because um, our politicians are obsessed with the My School website. School sport's been pushed away a little bit. Yeah, Scott, um, you obviously, for the listeners that don't know, you have a day job. <laughs> I get paid for it too. <laughs> and, and, and you are a school teacher, just taking up a new role as a, as a PE teacher mm. for uh, Longreach uh, State School. How do you attack that role? Well, I guess for me, I mean, you've well, and you're absolute sports tragic. Yeah, I think that's what, what kind of works. I'm very enthusiastic about sports and getting, and getting kids involved with sports. So, I mean, from very early age, I've never taught preps before. I had two prep classes this week. Your lovely daughter was in one of them, Watsy. Um, and I guess I'm just being enthusiastic, just promoting not just, you know, your, your, your standard sports such as your rugby leagues, your crickets, your netballs, all that sort of thing, but just, just promoting movement and just moving around and just having fun while doing it. Um, I just think, you know, kids out here particularly, there's so many other things that can distract kids away from being active that you, I guess my whole role is to make sport as fun um, to make it as enjoyable as possible but also teach some pretty important life skills because let's face it kids are on the Xbox or on the PlayStation they're doing anything but being active and playing sport and, and the amount of health statistics I think Australia is one of the, the most overweight nations um, in the world per capita and I mean, something needs to be done about it. And I couldn't agree with Des Moore. How good is how good was Friday afternoon sport? And Des, and Marco, um, can I just jump in there, Parker? One of the things that's been a problem, and you're probably too young to rec- to, to realise it or notice it, is that the change in the assessment practices for HPE. Now, I don't want to bore people to death with that, but I had a really good phys ed teacher at my school who actually had to fail a kid in in. PE one semester who had represented our region at swimming because the focus on that semester was ball handling skills, kicking and all that. She was hopeless at that. She was a state-level swimmer, yet because she couldn't, you know, attain the level that required for the year level of that school, he was supposed to fail her for phys ed. I mean, that is ridiculous. That's when he handed in his resignation as a phys ed teacher. Yeah, and I've got to be careful here, Des, because I don't, don't want to yeah, say no, anything no, too yeah, controversial. I'll, I'll, I'll but say it for you. I, <laughs> Uh, the views of Des Dodd are not necessarily agreed by Scott Parkinson. But Des, you, you make a really good point. I think um, teaching in general, and I don't want to be, again, not rock the boat, but we're so bogged down and we're trying to add so many things in that I think we don't do the little things well. I think sometimes we're adding too much, 
but we're not focusing on what's already there. And I think sport, unfortunately, it's a very easy thing for governments to say, you know, less sport, more academic. But you're exactly right. You know, my kids last year, we did a lot of um, sport through through reward. It's a great motivator. Um, yep. And it just, there's so many life skills you get from playing playing sport. I mean, sportsmanship, competitiveness, even resilience, you know, things like that are, are covered in sport. But it's just, if you just look at it as sport, then, you know, you're, being, you're not looking at the whole picture. Well, Yep, and look, one of the, and well, you know, well, I know this isn't part of what we want to talk about this morning, but um, one of the things that you know I find down that's becoming um, prevalent down here is they're not having grand finals in sport mm. to under thirteens. You know, that's happening down here in, in rugby league. They're not having mm. kids allowed to play grand finals until they're under thirty. I mean, how stupid is that? One thing we'll turn our attention to now, Des, is uh, female participation in sport. And another thing that you would have seen over your 40 years' experience is the evolution of women's sport. Oh, look, I think it's just fabulous the amount of women's sport we see on television now. And but they're not the playing at a school. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, one of the things that's changed in education, of course, is more and more female teachers. So we've got more and more phys ed, female phys ed teachers. Now, my daughter, Kate, is a, a phys ed teacher at Emerald State High School. And one of the things about school sport that has been good is there are more opportunities to take kids away because all the, in all different sports now, there's opportunities to take kids, you know, uh, uh, into Brisbane, southeast Queensland from out here in the bush and that. And, you know, Kate takes touch footy teams from Emerald down to participate in the statewide secondary touch football competition. Um, and these are girls' teams in, in Brisbane. Now, how good is that as, for, yeah, as far as an opportunity for girls to play competitive sport? That, wouldn't have, that wasn't around 20, 25 years ago. So I think the fact that we're seeing girls' rugby, girls' um, you know, female um, state national rugby competitions, rugby league, cricket, um, AFL, you've got netball now on prime time television. These role models for girls and the opportunities for them to take up sport, because you know, if you're a girl footy player, when you got to under 12... Um, you couldn't play anymore. Mm. There was no female competition even 20 years ago, but now that opportunity is there. If girls want to play um, football and that, it's there. I think um, it's been one of the great things. And who would have thought, you know, you can go to the newsagent now and buy a 68-page magazine on women's football. Now, yeah. you know, <laughs> that unheard of 10 years yeah. ago even. And, and the product is, is getting better and better. The more money that's being put into it, the more exposure it's getting. I think it's a real positive. Now, one... I was dying to get you on, Des. This is why you're really on. <laughs> the next subject. All right. While we're on school subjects, the next subject, Israel Folau. <laughs> now, he's generated a hell of a lot of publicity one way or the other. He's ended up with his mate, Sonny Bill, over <laughs> yep. in the English Super League. Are you behind him, beside him, against him? Where do you stand on the Israel Folau saga? Mate, I'm, I am 100% uh, um for him playing footy. I think the, the carry-on here over a comment he quoted from the Bible and he himself said he made it out of love. People have taken that differently and that's fine. I understand that. But, you know, he wasn't out there murdering people. He wasn't like some of our footballers who, you know, have um, committed domestic violence or had those charges against them. He wasn't like, you know, I'll, I'll take Matt Lodge for an example as a bloke who I, I'm sorry if you're, I'm a Broncos fan, but I really struggle with him playing for the Broncos because what he did over in New York, and I know he's done the, you know, done the crime, done the time, but that would have a lasting impression on those young kids, what went on in that house. Yet he was being touted as a captain 
for the Broncos. So I, I just think Israel Folau fell victim to a media and a, uh, a campaign that just blew, grew and grew. And it didn't help that the chairman of Qantas basically said to the ARU, who are cash-strapped anyway, you know, um, keep this bloke in the game. We're not giving you any more money. So um, I'm very... And, and God, couldn't the Wallabies have used Israel Folau in recent years? <laughs> I'm very much in favour of the fact that he may be getting a chance over there. I know some of the English Super League clubs um, aren't too happy about it, but I say, you know, good on him. Yeah, um, get out there and play some footy and show us what you got. I do think you made some good points there, Des. But to be fair, Israel had gone through the whole rigmarole a year before. He'd been fairly warned. And there's a lot of verses in the Bible you can quote without uh, offending people. Oh, look, I, I'm, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying there. But I don't know that this bloke, because of a firmly held belief, and it is a firmly held belief mm. for him, um, has had his whole career ruined over it. I think... Um, I just think it was too much, um, you know, the, the consequences of his actions were way too severe. Now, look, I'm a Christian bloke myself. I don't agree with what he said, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, the, that you be, as you say, Nick, he is selective in what he's quoted. Mm. But, you know, that's his right to say it. I, I, you know, this, and I know this free speech thing's been done to death by a lot of people saying, well, he was homophobic, he was this, or was that, you know, you shouldn't be allowed to do that. But... He just copied it, it, talked a quote out of the Bible, and it went from there. And I think the other thing is, if it had been just left on his Twitter page or wherever he posted, which I think it was on Twitter with probably 20,000 people, that would have been the end of it. I think more damage has been done when it's been brought out into the open that if there were, um, you know, um, homosexual people who felt offended by it, they would never have known about it except that it turned into such a media circus. Mm, that's true too. Uh, lots of stuff ends up in the media circus, maybe <laughs> even this interview. <laughs> hey, Des Dighton, thanks very much for your time uh, and contribution to the summer edition. We always love to uh, get out amongst uh, people with uh, different views on sport. And, uh, yeah, Des, thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. It's the summer edition heard across regional Queensland on the Resonate Network. And uh, that's about it for this summer edition heard across the Resonate Network. You can catch us each and every Saturday afternoon, or just for a couple more weeks anyway, until the NRL kicks off on 4SB, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG, and Hot Country. Big thanks to today's contributors, Anthony Hook Griffin, Rob Luck, the Man Mountain from Roma, Benny Condon, Rod Fagata, also Powerman Dave Tobain, Andre Moore, and from the stands, Desi Dighton Scott. Yeah, so I thought it's getting close to NRL season, but there's other sports kicking off, and I think we need to put ourselves on the line, (laughs) put our money where our mouths are, and make a few bold predictions. So I think each week leading up to our final show... Speaking of money where your mouth is, that always takes me back to White Man Can't Jump, that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't know which scene. (laughs) Anyway, carry on. (laughs) So uh, anyone would like to kick off with their bold prediction for the sporting world of 2020? Matt Renshaw will be back in the Australian baggy green test side before the year's end. I think his um, demeanour's changed. He was he was really the rock in in the Brisbane Heat. Now, and I we always say, <laughs> I know we always say, <laughs> the rock in a pile of sand <laughs> is what he was. Rock in a pile of crap. Um, but look, he he showed something to me that he hasn't shown before, and 
He didn't oh, get yeah. carried away with it, with these other idiots like yeah. Lyndon. He had a much stronger attitude. I think he's ready. It'll be interesting to see what he does in the back end of the Sheffield Shield season because that's obviously how you get selected for test teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should be. Uh, but I think that's the thing. Matt Renshaw to put on the baggy green in 2020. All right. I don't think anyone will surprise anyone with my bold prediction, but I reckon the Reds are going to get into the finals. They're going to have a great season. And I reckon, yeah, they'll be a real Can you give us a, a final number? Something oh. we can actually... I reckon they'll be safely in the final four. Like, it won't be one of those ones they've got to win the last three games by so X So, can margin. we say Reds third? Are you going to say they're going to be the top Australian side? Let's say that. Okay. <laughs> we, we, need, we need have something more definitive. Yeah. Needs to be bold. Yeah, yeah, bold. Okay. Pow! <laughs> top Australian. I've got jealous. I haven't done one yet. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going on that similar line. I'm going to the Brisbane Broncos with the most successful Queensland side. I know Hook has mentioned that he believes it with the Cowboys. Last week you said Cowboys. No, I... Well, let's go back and review the tape. It wasn't a prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Cowboys should be, but I think the Broncos will be. You've got to stop wearing your heart on your sleeve. No. I th- Last I'm year you turned them off four times. Doesn't matter. Guess who's turning them back on? <laughs> this might, this Mac- might be an abuser. From hey, Mac- it doesn't take much of the Broncos <laughs> to turn me on. <laughs> friend of the show, Max Tanks, he, um, he, he said after the Heat's second last loss, he said, that's it, never watching them again. Ding. Bet slip. Yeah. yeah. The heat. And an impressive bet slip too. I think, he's, <laughs> I think he's still washing dishes at the RSL to pay up for it. <laughs> but no, Broncos, I think, mate, I think the fact there's been no negative press out of Brisbane, I think they're going to hit the ground running. And if they're not, you know, Seabold, look out. But Broncos, top Queensland side. Just before we sign out, boys, I just want to touch on the disappointment of the Australian under-19s World Cup cricket mm. side. And we did say off-air... They wound back the clock 10 years to see, you know, what's evolved from the from the side uh, back in that, that era. And uh, only two two players of note, Mitchell Marsh, and, you know, you love him or you hate him, but he has played the yeah, game. Yeah, he's a good player. Level. He's a good player. And, and James Pattinson. Yeah. Uh, where are they now, they said. Now, this up-and-coming side, they've been humiliated. Um, where does that leave us? Oh, look, you know, all these things, sport, the arts, um, any endeavour, there's always these people who look great when they're starting out. And for so many reasons, they don't go on with the job. Mm. And uh, that's, you know, as I said, there's so many reasons. And some which are in the control, some which there aren't. Uh, look, it's obviously a bad loss for uh, Australia under 19, but I don't think we can read too much in it going to the future. Scott? Well, I, I look at other sports. I look at Australian rugby under-19s or schoolboy sides win World Cups. Mm. Well, I tell you what, the senior side don't win the World <laughs> Cup when they get to that level. So I don't yeah. think one... Junior tra- Warriors? Yeah, oh, <laughs> great side. Um, so I don't think it necessarily translates. And yeah. a lot can go wrong. Your voice drops, you get more hair on your face. You go through puberty after that level. I think it doesn't... Success early does not mean success late. No, that's right. Fair points. Thanks, boys. Um, I'll be talking to you from Brisbane next week for the oh. summer edition. Good. Yeah, well, good to see you getting sent away. <laughs> <laughs> Still looking for Wade. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, boys. Always a pleasure. Nick Baxter from Scott Parkinson. What's he signing out of the summer edition? Until next week.